Welcome to the Death Kit Show. Let's go. To all my listeners, please go to thedifferentbook.com and pick up a copy of my new children's book, Different. 10% of every book sold goes directly to the cystic fibrosis charity, Emily's Entourage, which is searching for a cure for a unique mutation of the cystic fibrosis gene. I recommend Different to children ages five and up. Growing up as kids, we sometimes feel like we don't fit in with everyone else, whether it's our curly hair, a mole or freckle we don't like, being too tall or too short, the list goes on. Different teaches kids that we all have our thing and everyone is different, which means being different is normal. I'm very excited about this book and want to give as much as I can to Emily's Entourage, so please pick up a copy for your kids or grandkids or friends' kids and help me spread the word. Check out thedifferentbook.com for all the details. And if you haven't yet, please rate this podcast five stars and leave a review. It all really does help. to the GK Show. Fun music at the beginning. Yeah! Uh! Hope you're having a good day. Let's start the pod. Talking to Tom Sims, right? That's how you say it, right, Tom Sims? Yeah, yeah. I always, uh, I know that it's Sims, but it's S-I-M-E-S. It always confuses me. Tom is the owner of Stir Crazy Comedy Club, which is a really cool comedy club in Glendale, Arizona. And I want to ask you first, Tom, because you were a comedian and you decided to open a club. And I want to know what made you come to that point. (laughs) So, yeah, I just I kind of started producing my own shows around town uh, here and there. And I just kind of found that I enjoyed that a lot more than I did performing. Um, So it just, you know, it kind of uh, just led led to it eventually. Okay, And so I never uh, knew I don't think we ever bumped into each other as comedians, but uh, you're really funny. Right. Like I saw I remember I looked up. No, not really. I, I saw a clip of you, and I was like, I mean, there's a lot of people who don't quit comedy. <laughs> who, <laughs> who I'm like, why is that guy still doing it? Person, so, so you don't perform anymore at all? Uh, I haven't, I haven't really since I opened the club. Um, but I actually, I've started booking a few things around town, just kind of for the heck of it. Um, but it's been a, it's been a couple of years, yeah. So I mean, you have to miss it a little bit, right? Uh, not really. Um, not not really. In general, I don't. Ever so often, you know, I'll get an idea and think, oh, that'd be kind of fun to to see if that works, you know. But um, not not really. Not really. All right. Do you have any favorite story before we move off this? You being a comedian, do you have any favorite story from uh, when you were a comedian? How long were you a comedian? Um, it's, it's been about 10 years now, I guess. Okay. Um, so when I opened the club, I guess that would be about eight years. And do you have any stories of, uh, 
crazy nights or uh, working with somebody famous or working with somebody that some happened at a club or anything? Um, nothing that sticks to my head. No, I, I was very fortunate. Um, I, I, I started kind of getting a lot of work very early. So I got to work with a lot of cool people in those eight years. Um, and, uh, yeah. And, and then, you know, that was kind of the fun of it. When I opened the club, I got to go, you know, hit up all these people that I got to work with over the years and, and have them in my club. That's, that's kind of been the coolest thing is, uh, is, just getting to you know meeting everybody. Even though I don't I don't really consider myself a comedian anymore, um, I, I like I like being a comic. I like I like comics and I like hanging with comics and talking comedy and all that stuff. So um, that's the coolest thing is now I get to have all these guys and gals back to the club, and uh, you know, that's yeah. Been, Do you have a, um, a worst bomb story? I have so many fun stories of. Just crappy shows or times like <laughs> shit, and I always like test because I feel like every comic has them. Some comics, I, I always like running into those people that are like, "Yeah, man, I don't know, I've never bombed." It's like, how have you never bombed? <laughs> like, <laughs> you never had, you ever tried something new and just had a bad thing or ran into something like a crowd that just didn't like you. Uh, so I always think those are fun if anybody has like one that sticks out. Yeah, you know, one thing I was always kind of able to do is. Is I, I think most comics, you know, we all sort of hate each other, any or hate hate ourselves anyway. I think, but uh, I was always able to sort of grade myself on a curve. So if if it was just a crappy night, I wouldn't beat myself up if I was, you know, one of many that didn't do well. Uh, but I do remember one time I I bombed the hardest I ever did, and I can still feel it in my stomach. Uh, <laughs> it, it's just I remember going up. And uh, I, I said something right out of the gate, trying to engage this group of of women who were getting up to leave, and it just came out every everything came out wrong, and uh, the, the my entire set, the entire crowd just hated me because of you know whatever I said. It was just it just came out wrong. It was trying to be a joke. It, it just looked terrible, and just I could feel them actively hate me through the entire set. And thank God I got lit early. I was like, "Thank you." Um, but yeah, I can still feel that in my stomach if I if I think about back to that night. Isn't there? A, I, I wish I wish there was a way. I don't know what kind of science it would be, like quantum mechanics or something, to to actually measure the vibe in the room. You know what I mean? Because like, cause we <laughs> yeah. can feel it. Like you just said, I've had sets where I remember one a couple of years ago. And I was doing a show in L.A. and it wasn't like a big show or anything. And the three comics before me were all doing jokes about the police and how the police are so bad and everything. And I wasn't even taking a sort of political stance on it, but I just thought it would be, I knew it was a risk saying it, but the first thing out of my mouth, I grabbed the mic, I go, hey guys, I go, before I even start, let's just real quick, round of applause for the cops, they keep us safe. And like the whole, <laughs> and it, I felt the vibe in the room just be like, it wasn't just like, oh, it wasn't funny. You know, we all say a joke that maybe doesn't hit the way we want. It was like, I felt the audience be like, fuck this guy. We're not going to give this guy anything. And like one table got on board eventually and they were like laughing really hard and even like applauding. But the rest of the room was like, nah, we don't, like they, they, I think they thought it was racist or something. I was just making a joke because the last three comics were all doing similar material. But um, yeah, I bombed really hard. I mean, I'm not going to go on like with my stories, but when I was uh, really young and Pablo Francisco had me opening for him, and his crowds were just perfect for me 
at that age and everything. And so his crowds, I would have really, really awesome sets. And I didn't really know any better. I didn't know the difference between opening for a different person. And my manager at the time was like, hey, do you want to go to Palm Beach and uh, feature for Jeff Dunham? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, you only have to do 20. And with Pablo, I would do 30. So I'm like, this is easy. And he goes, no, you got to keep a little cleaner. And long story short, the first night, I kind of I had a really good set. And I tested the waters. And I kind of pressed a little bit. And they were fine. And I don't know why that crowd was fine with what I was doing. The next night, I bombed so hard. And it was packed. It wasn't like, oh, this is a small show. There's only 10 people here. Or everyone's doing bad. I mean, the host did good. I went up, and it was 350 people, not an empty seat. And I was just eating shit for 20 minutes. So we're like, have you ever bumped when your mouth dries up? I mean, <laughs> I, like the saliva left my mouth. And I went, and I, I had another side. I did seven shows that week with Dunham. And I remember two of them were good. Three were like, whatever, I got through it. And they were okay. People were laughing, not laughing super hard like I was used to with Pablo. And two of them were like that show where I just ate it so bad. I remember I sat in the gutter and cried. <laughs> Cause I, wow. <laughs> I, didn't even, I didn't even think I deserved the curb. I remember thinking, like, you don't even deserve the curb, so I sat in the gutter. But, uh, all right. So I, well, I, I think my my bombing story that I mentioned, I, that was pretty early for me, so I, I hadn't experienced that yet too hard. Yeah. Uh, but then after that, if I if I – Anytime I was having a bad set, it was it was really more amusing to me. I, I really didn't take it take it hard. It was just uh, in my head. I was just like, "Oh man, this is bad. This is hilarious." Uh, yeah. So I I kind of just I don't know. It never really bothered me that much uh, on those kind of sets. I was just thinking though that when I had you at the club, I don't know if you remember this, and uh, if, you know if we can move on if you want. But uh, it, it's a funny story. So I don't know if you remember the. I think it was the host that night. Or maybe the feature. He he met someone on Tinder earlier in the day, and he had her and her friend come out. He didn't know them, yeah. and they were just they were terrible. They were yelling out through the whole show, through your set, and you brought them on stage. Do you remember that? Oh, I and remember those had people. Had to sing or dance or something, and you yeah. you really you made it into like a a, a hilarious night. Um, but you brought these train wrecks up on stage and let them just go. And, uh, you know, it could have been a very, very bad show, but you uh, you were able to make it into something. I don't know if you remember that. I do remember doing that. And, you know, what's funny is that Dunham story I told, I, I, after that, I think I kind of realized, okay, I got to write, you know, more stuff because not every crowd is the same. And I also, and I, yeah, I, I, when I'm having a bad set now or something's not going right, I, I'm kind of like what you're saying, like, it's just humorous to me, but, uh. Yeah, I just remember early on that was really bad. But yeah, I, that's kind of a risky move, bringing those girls on stage. But I just kind of felt, like I said, sometimes it's a vibe and you can tell like, oh, I'll be able to handle this. And sometimes, yeah. you know, that's why I don't ever really get mad at hecklers. I think some comics I've seen, the second someone yells out, they're like, oh yeah, oh yeah. And then they get like real angry. I'm like, dude, this isn't going to register well with the audience that you're snapping this quick, you know? Like, so I really, <laughs> yeah. I never lose it on stage. And most of the time, and you own a club, you you know, done comedy, 99% of the time, I think hecklers are just usually a little too drunk, and they're not trying to ruin the show. They think that's yeah. part of the show. So, yeah, I always kind of try and keep it light and, you know, whatever. But, um, like, I think those girls just thought, like, oh, this is like a nightclub or something, and we're allowed to yell out, and I don't know what they're thinking. Um, all right, I want to ask you, or not even ask you, can you explain, because you took extra steps to make your comedy club great, like a great experience, 
for the comedian and the audience. So can you explain a little bit? Because I, I think most people, like we just talked about, don't really get that comedy is best in, like, best performed in a certain type of setting. And you did a really good job and very, like, scientific and technical about everything you did with your clubs. Can you explain that real quick? Uh, yeah, I'm full on sort of OCD about that kind of stuff. Um, well, I, I think, one, just from being a comic, I think you, you, you sort of learn a lot of obvious things like, you know, audience facing forward, turn the TVs off, low ceiling, all of that kind of that stuff. Um, but uh, it's just something that I, I was always kind of fascinated with, the psychology of, of you know, the crowd and, and, and just sort of setting up the 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 show itself and this is kind of something that I started to learn over time you know producing my own shows and playing around with ideas and it was really kind of a a practice run I suppose although I didn't know it at the time for opening the club but you know I just I want people to experience comedy in the best possible way I want to set up the comedian to the comedians to do as good as they can possibly do um and part of that is just taking care of them and and making sure that they're you know happy and love the club and they're you know if they're in a good mood it's going to be reflected you know in their set and the audience is going to enjoy it more and you know it's just kind of cyclical that way so you know i i figure if i just can keep my staff happy the comics happy and hopefully the customers happy these customers are going to they're going to have a great time and want to come back that was kind of the the theory on everything but uh you know a lot of the little things that we do i just happen to know because i was a comedian you know and things that i experienced uh, positively, I've I've tried to implement and things that I experienced negatively. I I try to you know not do those things, uh, but that's just the idea. I you know and it, <laughs> I could I could talk for hours on every little detail that goes into stuff. And actually, uh, uh, I have a an episode of my podcast where I totally geek out on the details with Todd Glass coming up. Uh, I don't know if you know him. He's pretty into oh, that right. stuff too. He's so very, yeah. I've seen Todd go on rants about how the how comedy clubs should be set up and everything and yes yeah, so yeah. that's probably a good yes real quick now you mentioned your podcast uh, tell everyone what your podcast is uh the business of comedy with tom sims um it's kind of new i think i'm only like seven episodes in but uh what i try to do is just interview people in the business you know bookers uh, uh managers club owners etc and just sort of let Comics listen in to people in the business talking. Maybe they gain a little insight and stuff. And, and and comics who have specific jobs in the business as well, like maybe they write for a show or whatever. But it's yeah. just a way for comics to kind of learn sort of the the ins and outs of from the business perspective. Oh, that's very cool. So uh, that kind of leads into my next question. What have you noticed now that you own a club, you know, and in your booking? you're on the other side of it, what are some things that maybe you didn't realize when you're a comic or that you realize as a booker and owner or something you have to deal with with comedians and their personalities? Because every booker is different. So comedians have, we have to deal with that. And you guys have to deal with a bunch of psychopath <laughs> comedians who are all <laughs> dealing with their own thing. Uh, you know, for the most part, it's not bad. I mean, uh, what I what I didn't appreciate is just how many comics there are. Um, and, and, you know, you know, I was out there trying to hustle gigs and, you know, cold emailing, if you will, clubs yeah. and bookers trying to get in and they don't respond and you don't know why and all that stuff. Now I can, I totally get it. 
you know, we're just even my little club. Uh, I'm inundated with with comics from just all over the country, just trying to get work. Um, and that's that's the biggest thing that I when I'm when comics ask me for advice on getting booked is, you know, you just have to understand that you're just one in a million that are trying to get work at these places. And it's it's going to be tough because, you know, you're just a faceless comic in an email to, to right. these bookers. Um, so it's it's really tough to break through and just, you know, and, and to get into a place. So that's that's kind of what you're dealing with. Um, so I didn't appreciate that. I had no idea how many comics there were trying to get work. Um, and just little things, um, you know, just the way comics approach me. You know the dumb things that they put in emails. It's like, really? Did you just say that? Um, what are some of those? Because I honestly feel like, and I try and keep my emails as short as possible, but I I feel like I'm terrible. It could just be in my own head over email or text. Like I always feel like I'm annoying somebody. That's probably just my own <laughs> insecurity. But mm. I just don't know how to email right. I don't know how often to email. And even people that I'm on good terms with, like you or other clubs at work, I'm like, man, I wonder if I'm bugging the shit out of Tom by asking for another date. It's been six months. Should I wait eight? Should I wait a no, year? No. So I never know uh, what to, I feel like on the phone or something like people can hear your tone and know that you're not being a, an asshole. <laughs> but I just feel right, like right, I'm right. emails. No, um, you know, every booker's different um, a little bit. I would say there's a lot of commonality and, and just, you know, through this podcast, I inter- try to interview a bunch of bookers just to show everybody how much is you know, consistent and, 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 you know, what might be different based on, uh, the bookers, um, wants and desires, uh, you know, and their needs. Um, but I would say, you know, as far as frequency, just ask, you know, how, how often do you want me to send avails? And most of them, um, I happen to book a long way out, not on purpose. It's just sort of, uh, you know, this is, uh, what is this, mid-November, and I'm already booked till like, September of next year uh, as far as for headliners. Um, and that's not planned. It's just because I get hit up so often, and, you know, they go to the, the end of the line, you know, so it gets it gets out. I know uh, there's a club owner, I think he's in Michigan or something. He, he books, I've heard, an entire year out. That's just the way he does it. Uh, yeah. I know some bookers that book, you know, they only book a month or two out. Um, so it really depends on the booker or the club owner. Um, and I would just say, Hey, how I love, you know, I want to work your club. How often should I send my avails? And they'll, you know, they'll tell you, send them every three months, send them every month or whatever it is, and just sort of do what they want. Um, when when I say, you know, the, the crazy emails I get, most of that's not from, from headliners. It's, it's, usually like open micro levels who think they're ready to feature and then they just send you the super aggressive email and then they don't you know they don't get they're not happy with their response so now they're pestering you and trying to sell you and insulting you and stuff <laughs> like that not realizing you know what the, uh, it's to me it's like don't you understand that I'm never going to book you because you're obviously a, you know a jerk yeah but I get those I I don't get a lot of those but I do get those um, so it's just little things like that, you know, just yeah, being, I mean, I, being cool, you know, just, Hey, you know, just being straight up and, you know, just having every, all the information that a club would want in the email as well. I don't want to have to email you, you know, over and over. Can you send me this? Can you send me that? Just, you know, just send everything that they might want and, and, uh, you know, 
wait for them to get back to you. Yeah, I had a booker. To, I had multiple headliners for this booker vouch for me, which I usually think is the best way to get in. And then uh, emailed them. And then uh, I just like wasn't hearing back. And I was putting in the subject line, like recommended by these three headliners that I know work, the person, all their clubs. And uh, and then she finally responds. And then she's like, oh, I'm going to get you in the rotation. She's like, keep bugging me. She's like, if I don't get back to mm-hmm. you, she was, she, was keep, she was keep emailing me. And then I'm like, she said to keep emailing her. I still feel like I'm being annoyed. <laughs> you know, the, no, no. The reason why they say that is we just forget about people. You know. Yeah, um, I get it. Yeah. Yeah, and and somebody will tell you. I, I think most of them will tell you if they don't want if they're not going to book you. You know, early on when I first started, I would I would re, you know respond to people. Comics say, "Oh, just be honest." Well, I've learned that comics don't want you to be honest. If I say <laughs> if I respond. Anything that isn't what they want to hear, then now I'm in a 50 email exchange and it's just not worth it. That's yeah. why people, that's why bookers don't respond to your emails. They don't have time to get into email exchanges all day with every comic that isn't going to get, isn't getting booked when they want to be booked. So, I mean, yeah, if, if, if that booker told you to keep bugging her, then absolutely, you know, and just, you know, maybe mention, hey, uh, you know, how often should I email you? I don't want to email you too much or whatever. But yeah, no, I, I, it's the same way I, I'm tell, I tell the locals all the time. I, I forget about people and I'll run into a comic at an open mic and I'm like, oh my God, I forgot all about her, you know? Yeah. And it's just, um, you, you have to stay on the radar and just, just ask them, you know, hey, I don't want to bother you too much. How often do you want me to email? But, but yeah, yeah, you got to stay in their head. Right. Um, how do you feel, I'm just curious, as a booker, like, do you, do you book people based on, oh, the crowd will like them, or is it you you have to personally be a fan of their comedy or get what they do? How does no. that work? Mm, for me, I, I, I like to have a variety of different types of comedy for my audiences. Um, I book people that I don't think are funny all the time. Uh, but I know that the audience is well. I appreciate that, Tom. By the way, I really <laughs> no, I mean you know you know how comics are. You know we get yeah. you know I mean it. I don't I don't laugh at comedy anymore. I, I see jokes coming and all that. Yeah. And you know I, I like a specific kind of comedy, but I can't you know I, I can't just book the same type of comedy you know for my audiences. They they like different stuff. So I book people that I don't find funny. I, that happens a lot. You know, I'll watch somebody's video or, or watch them even in my room and they're crushing. And I'm like, yeah. I, I don't understand why people are laughing at this. And I'm not talking about hacks. I mean, if I think somebody's a hack, I'm not going to book them. Right. But, um, you know, I, I very often I'll watch a comic in my room destroying the place and I don't get it. Um, <laughs> I book people that I don't personally like. Um, you know, just for whatever reason, uh, it does, it's all about the show and about my customers enjoying themselves. That's, 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 that's everything to me. Uh, but I do try to keep things mixed, you know, um, as far as styles and energies and, and that kind of stuff. I, I try to, even on the show, I try to, I try to have a good mix of comics on a show as well. You know, I want to, I want to set the headliner up as good as, as well as possible. So, you know, I book a headliner first, and then I think, okay, who would be a good feature for this person? Uh, and then I go through my little feature list and think, oh, they'd, they'd be good with, with Jeff, so I'll, I'll book them. And then I go to the host and the same thing. Um, you know, and I, I won't bore you with those details, but um, that's kind of how I do it. But, yeah, it doesn't doesn't matter if I find them funny or not. Okay. Um, how do you feel – I'm not asking you anything about any of your personal views, 
But how do you feel about political comedy lately? Because, and just to set mm-hmm. it up, I am, I purposely do not inject any of my political views, or like push them on the audience. That's just, unless I'm, I feel like unless you're going to be like, hey, I do political comedy, this is my entire lane. I feel like right. it's weird to, to, on my end because, you know, everyone's in the audience. They came to have a good time. You might have Republicans. You might have Democrats. They're all mixed in. You have all different types of people and it's people who don't care about politics and they're sick of hearing about it. So I, I really stay away from that. Uh, but and then even when I did do it, I did political. I had the chunk around the like right after the election or during it or something. And I was not taking a position on, you know, I wasn't pro-Trump or pro-Hillary Clinton or pro-Bernie Sanders or anything. And I was just kind of like making jokes about all of them, right? Like I had jokes, but, and they weren't like about their policies because, again, like I'm not trying to offend anybody. And I had jokes about, uh, what's his face, uh, Gary Johnson and Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton and Trump and everything. And even, and I, I preface this with the audience. I go, hey, guys, I go, I don't care who you voted for. Everybody's got their opinions on stuff. And then I would like, you know, good for you. Like I'm not bashing anybody for their beliefs. And I would get into it. And in Chicago and in Vegas is the only time I ran into trouble. And people were just upset when I got to their person. <laughs> and yeah, I'm not, yeah. and again, I'm not doing like, you know, Hillary, blah, 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 or Trump. This guy is, you know, I wasn't doing that. And uh, it was just, it was shocking to me, like how polarized everybody is. I mean, it's not shocking is the right word. I know how polarized everybody is. But how, what is your take on uh, political comedy lately? Because in my opinion, I see a lot of people who just aren't good at it. Yeah. Well, so I'll I'll, I'll start with with uh, I'll start here. So for me, comedy. The thing that I love about comedy is, you know, a typical audience is made up of a very diverse group of people, right? Different races, yeah. religions, political, everything. It's it's a it's a hodgepodge of everybody. And when a comic gets all these different people on that wave and he's and they're crushing, that's just that's that's an amazing thing to me. Yeah. You know, it's a so it's a shared shared social uh experience and that's that's the great thing about comedy. Now that being said, um I think if if you're Lewis Black or you're Dennis Miller or you're known, this is what we're going to get. We're going to go see this. We know what's going what they're going to say. Uh, that's one thing. But, you know, a, a club my size, most of the, my customers don't know who the comics are. They're not, you know, they're not, uh, they're not coming really to see the headliner. They're just coming to see comedy. Yeah. So that being said, if they show up and... You know, they <laughs> they bought tickets, they got a babysitter, they ironed their shirt, they found parking, they came in, they're ready to have a good time, and now someone's trashing the person that they love for whatever reason. You know, now they're gonna they're not gonna have a good time, and and that's what they're coming to see comedy for. So, um, uh, so so it's like, yeah, I'm ne- I'm never gonna tell a comic when they come in, hey, don't do this, don't say that, I'll never do that, but. From a business perspective, who who wants my crowd to have a good time? I want them to leave in a better mood that they came in. That's you know that's what that's what I want them to do. Uh, so if you know if you walk a bunch of people because you want to have a take on something, uh, obviously that's gonna that's gonna factor into my calculation of of whether or not I'm gonna have you back. I mean, I, I had a comic who I love. I I think this person is extremely funny. I was excited to have them. But they walk like six tables, 
Yeah. And in my little room, that's a high percentage of the crowd. And, you know, that's dollars. That, <laughs> I have yeah. a business. I have bills. I can't, you know, I can't short my rent because, well, we had a bad weekend because my my uh, my headliner really hated, you know, whoever it was. Um, so that has to factor into it, you know. And now, some people, uh, some comics, they can make, they can have a take and make it funny and palatable for people who might hate that person. But a lot of the times, it's not. And sometimes it goes even farther. I had a feature who walked a bunch of people. A feature. Oh, that's what I was going to say. I, I've had, that's my pet peeve is when people opening for me are doing extremely divisive political material. Yeah. I've had people walk people and I'm like, it's not your show. You know what I mean? I get that I'm not like some huge name, but when I'm opening for somebody, if I'm, uh, you know, if I'm on a show where there's just multiple comics and it's like, sometimes I've, I've seen hosts when they're having a bad set and then they just start shitting on the audience. It's like, yo, you're the host. Just be yeah. in a good mood and like be friendly and then bring up the next act and tell everyone they're going to have a great night. So yeah, so I'm sorry to interrupt, but yeah, I can't stand when openers like, I would just never do that on somebody's show. And then they're just, like, getting into it with the audience. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, you like Trump? Like, you're a fucking idiot. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> That's not a joke. No, it happens. Uh, mo- it, 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 the only time it... That's happened um, with features for me is when uh, the headliner brought the feature. It's not somebody that I knew. Okay. Um, you know, I use a lot of locals, uh, obviously, because I'm, I'm a small club. Um but um, the few times that happened, it was the the headliner brought the feature and we had some issues. But, you know, and, I, and at the end of the day, again, I'm not going to tell somebody they can or can't say something. But, you know, I, I don't I feel like I don't have to tell you what to say, but I also don't have to buy it. So I'm not going to have those people back. You know, I, I can't have people leaving my comedy club mad. You know, <laughs> I just don't want that. Yeah. Uh, you know, and again, it's different if you're a headliner and they know what they're getting into. That's one thing. But if they're just coming to have a good time, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I want them to leave in a good mood. Yeah. Okay. So I, I just curious about that. Um, I'll wrap up because I know I don't want to take too much of your time. But do you have any crazy stories that have happened at your club besides me unprofessionally bringing people on stage? <laughs> so, I no, believe I had, I had a rap, right? Like I let, I let a rap, I think, now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think that was it. I knew you let it. Yeah, I just I just love that because it was one. It was in the moment. Uh, it was great. It was an experience for everybody. But it was risky for you. You know what I mean? That could have that could have went very bad, and you know, <laughs> you could have had a big hole to climb back out of. But it was great. I mean, everybody everybody enjoyed it. Uh, any craziness? No, not really. Um, we've been pretty fortunate. We uh, we don't have. We don't have rowdy crowds. We, you know, I think in the two years we've been open, I think we've had to ask two people to leave, something like that. We've been pretty fortunate. We've had a few headliners and a couple features that have, you know, walked some people. Uh, but other than that, uh, we haven't really had any craziness. It's been, uh, it's been pretty, going pretty well, I think. Not All right. Boy. I've had, okay. Jeez, maybe it's just me. I've had a couple brawls at shows <laughs> well, like, while I'm on stage. <laughs> But uh, do you have any, you don't have to name names, obviously. Are there any comics that have like gotten it in, into it with you or said anything ridiculous? I know I've talked to some bookers who have told me that certain comics, when they don't get booked, this one booker told me that they were like, oh, you just don't like me because I'm gay. And the guy was telling me the story like, I don't give a shit if somebody's gay. <laughs> like, what are they talking yeah. about? I just don't have, I don't have a lot of spots to go around. And uh, 
So are there anybody who, like you, I mean, you mentioned it a little bit earlier that some people get real aggressive with you, but have you had any blow-ups with uh, any comics? Uh, I haven't. Um, you know, I don't know what's said about me, you know, uh, out there in the wild. Um, I haven't had any back and forth with any comics, actually. Um, the only, the only, you know, sort of things that I've gotten into were literally with old micers through email who didn't even know who they were talking to. They were just in the sense that they didn't know me from the scene or anything. They were just talking to the club and they get aggressive and I've saved some of those. Maybe I'll make a coffee table book of bad email booking emails, but, oh, that'd be funny. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, not really. I mean, uh, it's a pretty, you know, we, I try to keep everything pretty chill, you know, um, I'm sure, you know, nobody, I certainly didn't, you know, like to send a booking email and never hear back and not know why. Um, but now, now I understand it. Uh, but I'm sure people are mad at me about that and comics who I haven't, but you know what I did now that I think about it, I did have one headliner. Uh, he's been around a long time, a long time. Um, he got a hold of me. Uh, he's so old school that he actually called the club. So that shows you how old school he is. Um, and I didn't want to book him. Um, one because I I don't know he's just he's very old school and I just eh, I don't I didn't want to book him um, but I also felt like you know this guy's been around a long time who am I to not book him so I kind of had that feeling too and I just didn't want to deal with it right and I was kind of putting him off putting it off and he he called me a couple times and um, this was still early on where you know part of the fun for me like I mentioned is just booking people that I know I want to book ooh I want that one and I want that one and I want that one. So I was still kind of in that phase where I wasn't looking for comics that I didn't know yet, you know. Um, and it caught me in that. And I was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm booked out for a ways. And he started, you know, kind of yelling at me, I'm funnier than all of them and blah, blah, blah. And then he made it very – then he, you know, by being a jerk to me, then he then he made it easy for me to jerk be a jerk back to him. So then I was like, no, I'm not booking you. I don't want you here. Um, so that was an aggressive phone call. But um, other than that, it's been pretty chill. You know, I, like I said, I – I'm not one of those club owners who just hates comics after all these years. These damn comics, you know. I may get there. I may may get there, but but I still I still like comics. You know, I want I want all comics to succeed, whether I whether I book them or not, for whatever reason, you know. Uh, and I think I think a lot of comics just kind of take it personally, like just trying to keep me down. He doesn't want that. No, it's just, there's it's not enough room for you, you know. Um. So no, I haven't had any real big blow-ups or anything. You know, I got a couple I got a couple headliners that are a little, you know, maybe a little grumpy, um, but they've kind of behaved themselves. Um, but uh, nothing too crazy. That's interesting you say the open micers are the ones that tend to get aggressive. I remember, I'm sure you'll mm-hmm. find this story funny, when I was at the Miami Improv a long time ago, I used to be in that South, South Florida Improv all the time, and the, the GM at the time got Gideon, and he told me the... Uh, I think I was just hanging out on like a open mic night. It was Wednesday. And he said, uh, so they're all open micers, right? And they got, so somebody walked in and said he didn't know he was the GM. The guy was the GM of multiple improvs in South Florida, I think. And he goes, uh, the guy goes, um, where do I go? I'm the talent for this evening. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it is a weird confidence that open micers have. Um, look, thanks for doing this. Uh, your podcast you bet, is called The Business of Comedy with Tom Sims. Mm-hmm. said. Yep. Yep. And everybody, if you're in Arizona, Tom's Club, Stir Crazy Comedy Club is a really fun club. It's run 
perfectly. You didn't really mention specifically, but some of the things that I remember that you do is you don't drop the checks during the headliner set, which I think is something mm-hmm. that most patrons don't understand. <laughs> like that's yeah. a huge thing because uh, it's very distracting uh, for the audience and they kind of tune out the comic because they have to because they're doing math now. And um, you also have a thing where if somebody wants uh, service, they want another drink or, or to order something, you have these little lights on the table and they can just choose the color of the light, mm-hmm. which uh, really works out. The thing about dropping checks, I'll just say this real quick. I was working with Chris Catan years ago. They're the same agent. And uh, my agent goes, hey, do you want to go to Florida with Chris? And he goes, Chris, um, you know, he kind of does whatever. Like he, he goes up at the beginning and he goes, I just need you to close out every show. So he said, you know how a show's supposed to be run. So if Chris does, you know, an hour, then you just do, you know, 15, 30. There's a local guy on the show, too. And he goes, you just do whatever makes a good show. If you have to do 45 at the end, if you go short, or if you have to do, you know, 15 at the end, just make it a good show and everything. And I'm like, okay. And so the guy that would go up before me, who was a really funny guy, a local guy, if he went over his – it was so weird. And I think you, you said you're OCD about this. You'll understand this. If he went over his time by a few minutes, then when the club dropped the check, I would go up right like I they bring me up to the club dropping the checks. And obviously Chris Catan was the uh the you know, the attraction, so it didn't really matter if I killed or not, you know? And mm-hmm. so if this guy got off on time, I would go up and the audience was great and I could deal with the check drop when it happened. And I would have these great sets. And then a couple of times, this guy just went long because he was really enjoying the crowd. He's going up in the middle, like in the good spot. And then I would go up and it would just, I'd just be eating it because no one was paying attention. I wasn't really eating it. I was just kind of like, no one was really paying attention because everybody got the check right then. And I remember yeah. I was just, I told the guys, I go, guys, you know, these jokes work, right? I'm not just some psychopath who just came up here. And, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, and then they all started laughing and paying attention. But it was just so interesting that if this guy went over by just a couple minutes, it changed everything with how my set went, which again, didn't really matter because I, you know, it was Chris's show. But um, anyways, I know the comics I talk to that work your club and people, they all immediately go and tell the rest of us like, oh, you got to hit up Tom Simster, create such a great club. So I've never heard a bad word about you. So oh, I appreciate that, man. Um, yeah, so everybody check out Tom's Comedy Club, Stir Crazy, in Glendale, Arizona, and The Business of Comedy with Tom Sims. Go check out his podcast and rate it five stars and subscribe and all that stuff. Tom, I'll see you in January, right? I'm there January 9th through 11th, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. So unless the bigger name wants to do that weekend, I'll see you in January. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thanks for doing it, Tom. I appreciate it. You bet. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for the time to my daddy.